Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. marvelous statement. Paul is saying, my God will supply all of your needs according to the riches of Christ in glory. How rich is Jesus Christ in glory? He owns everything. He owns everything. There's not a thing that he doesn't own. Now, some look at this and say, well, this is a promise for all Christians. Not so fast. It's not. It's a promise for generous Christians, not all Christians. And I want to show this to you. I want to prove it to you. We need to be careful about claiming promises that don't actually apply to us. The verse Pastor Steve will be talking about is a promise for generous Christians. It's not about bargaining. You can't say, I'm going to give some so I can reap the benefits. God blesses us most when we give with no strings attached. We are learning so much in this study on the church. We're having to rethink what we may have been taught about giving and get back to what the New Testament says. I am sure for many of you, this is pretty new stuff. It wouldn't hurt to go back and listen to these messages again. They are all available on our website at versebyverseradio, all one word, dot O-R-G. You can download them or listen to them through the podcast feature. Verse by Verse Radio is a ministry of Lakeside Community Chapel. The church is located at 1893 Sunset Point Road, Clearwater, Florida, 33765. Call the church at 727-441-1714 for service times and directions. The church is also the home of Lakeside Christian School, a K-12 school where a Christian worldview and Christian values are taught and modeled. You can get information at the church website, lakesidechapel.com. You're welcome at any time to visit the church or attend one of the services. This ministry is all about teaching the clear and uncompromised truth of God's Word. We are so happy that you are a part of our broadcast audience today. Now here's our teacher, Pastor Steve, with today's message. Now let me clarify something. Let me step back and clarify something. I understand that first glance, this may sound very much like the message of those who proclaim the prosperity gospel, but it's not. The prosperity gospel says this, if you give a lot of money to my ministry, if you give it, then God will bless you with incredible wealth so that you can be prosperous and consume all kinds of luxuries on yourself. Just give to my ministry and you'll see what God does. That's not what Paul is teaching here at all. Because modern-day prosperity preachers appeal to their constituents to give lots of money as a shrewd investment strategy in order for them to become wealthy. Why? Why wealthy? To gain personal wealth, to spend it on themselves. That's their ultimate goal, and it's a goal motivated by greed and covetousness, which is exactly what Paul is teaching against. Listen, we know this is not Paul's teaching, because as the apostle develops his his thought of sowing and reaping later in the chapter he makes it very clear that the reason we should want god to materially bless us watch this is not to become personally prosperous so that we can consume things upon ourselves but so we will have more money to be a blessing 
to others in need. We give to get so we can give more. Let's look at verse 10. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing And notice this, increase the harvest of your righteousness. In other words, what Paul is saying is that just as God provides a farmer with the seed he needs to yield a harvest of food, so God provides generous believers with material riches so that they can continue to do deeds of righteousness. And in the context, deeds of righteousness are deeds of being generous with others. You see, the clear teaching of Scripture, not only here in 2 Corinthians 9, but throughout the Bible, especially you see this in Proverbs, is that if you are stingy and tight-fisted with your money, then don't expect God to bless you materially. But if you are generous in giving to others for the sake of blessing them and advancing the kingdom of Christ, then you can expect that God will bless you materially so you can give more. And so I've already noted that this is not an isolated passage of Scripture. Proverbs addresses this. But there is one other place in the New Testament in which Paul really deals with this. And I want you to see it. It's important. Philippians chapter 4. I think it's a misunderstood passage. And so I want you to understand it. Philippians chapter 4. Verse 19 says this. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. What a marvelous statement. Paul is saying, my God will supply all of your needs according to the riches of Christ in glory. How rich is Jesus Christ in glory? He owns everything. He owns everything. There's not a thing that he doesn't own. Now, some look at this and say, well, this is a promise for all Christians. Not so fast. It's not. It's a promise for generous Christians, not all Christians. And I want to show this to you. I want to prove it to you. If you go back to verse 10, you'll see what Paul is talking about, what led up to this statement. Paul had been in prison under house arrest in Rome. Apparently, the Philippians lost track of him. You know, they didn't have emails back then. They didn't know where Paul was. Uh, But when they found out, they sent a love gift to him. They ministered to him. They sent, apparently, supplies for him. He wrote this letter partly as a thank you note to them to say, I appreciate what what you've done for me. Notice verse 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. They've always been concerned about Paul. Remember, the Philippians were the Macedonians, poor people. Here they are, though, concerned about Paul. He said, you've always been concerned, but you lacked opportunity. I think he means you, you lacked the opportunity to give to me because you didn't know where I was. Not, and notice this. He says, not that I speak from wants. I'm not saying this because I want anything from you. For I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity, which is often, I might add, harder than getting along with humble means. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. Paul, what is the secret of contentment? The secret, which he now reveals, is verse 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Meaning, I can live in all kinds of circumstances. I can live when I don't have much. I can live in abundance. I've learned the secret. The secret is that Christ strengthens me whether I have a lot or whether I don't. His grace is always sufficient. 
He says in verse 14, nevertheless, you've done well to share with me in my affliction. He said, but it's a good thing. I I didn't ask for it. I don't really I don't want you to think I'm coveting. I'm content. But it's a good thing that you've done. Done. Why? He said, "You, you Philippians or you yourselves also know Philippians. Verse 15, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. Can you imagine Paul ministered there? No church thought, I wonder if this guy needs something. I wonder if his, his food supply is okay. I wonder if he has enough blankets at night. I wonder how his shoes, his sandals are wearing. He said, only you were thoughtful enough to think about me. He says in verse 16, for even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift, notice this, more than once for my needs. This is the church that was thoughtful to him. These are poor people, but they're thoughtful. Not that I seek the gift itself. He said, I'm not, I'm not trying to minister to you to get anything from you, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. I want you to benefit spiritually. And then he explains, verse 18, but I have received everything in full. I have an abundance. I'm amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus, that was one of the men in their church, what you have sent. He calls it a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. He said, what you've done... Is pleasing to God. It smells good to God. It's like a sacrifice of love coming to the nostrils of God. He said, what you've done is is good. I I didn't ask for this. You didn't have to do it. But I so appreciate it. And the Lord is pleased with this. And then he says in verse 19, And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You Philippians don't need to worry that because you were generous with me, that you will have nothing for yourself. My God will supply your needs because he is generous with those who are generous with him. Folks, this is a promise to those Christians who are thoughtful, sensitive, and generous in their giving to others. It's also a very dear passage to me. A number of years ago, when our daughters were in college at the same time, it was a, a difficult time financially for Michelle and me. And I had been thinking about cutting back on my offering. We tried to be generous with the Lord. I thought, well, um, maybe we need to cut back a little bit. And then I read this one day, and the fog lifted because I read it for the first time with understanding that this is a promise to those who are generous. And I said to Michelle, you know what? We don't need to cut back on our offering. We need to increase it. And I want you to know when I made that decision to do that, God provided in some remarkable ways. I really should have written down all the amazing ways that the Lord provided when I tried to obey this principle. But I'll tell you one because it's very exciting. At least it's exciting to me. I just want you to see that God is not limited. Finances can come out of the blue. Um, I had an aunt who lived in New York. I hadn't seen her for years. And in becoming a believer, I've somewhat been the black sheep of the family that not too many are close to. And I hadn't talked to her in years. And she passed away. This was a few years ago. And uh, about a year later, I received a letter from her daughter, my cousin, who lives in Switzerland. And she wrote me and she said, I just was able to get to New York and go into um, mom's bank and the, the vault. And she had had 
some money set aside for you. And here's the check. It was a U.S. savings bond. I tell you, it blew me away. I, I hardly knew this aunt. I certainly didn't think that she um, cared about me at all. In my office, I have the um, envelope of that U.S. savings bond. It's a reminder to me that God can give and raise up money anywhere. I call it an Aunt Bess blessing because that was her name, Bess. I just want you to know you never need fear if you're generous that you won't have anything. You provide for others, God will provide for you. Listen, the reason that some of you may be having some extreme financial struggles may be because of a lack of generosity in giving to the Lord's work. Now, I understand it may not be. It may not be. There are a lot of factors for that. But it's one that you have to consider. It's one that if you're going through extreme financial hardship, you have to say, Lord, is this a discipline on me? Is, is this the reason? God may very well be withholding his generosity from you because you've been withholding your generosity from him. And if it is the case, he'll convict you. It won't be a guessing game. He'll convict you. I realize that it is easy to make excuses for not being generous when things are tight financially, but God won't allow us to do this. We're not permitted to do this because generosity, folks, listen closely, is not so much a matter of how much you give, but it's the attitude of your heart in giving. The widow just gave a mite and Jesus commended her. So what she gave was far greater than what the Pharisees gave. That's why Paul goes on in verse 7 to explain that God will only be generous to those who give with the right heart attitude. And folks, this is what brings it all together. Verse 7 says this. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. In this one verse, Paul outlines the way that each of us should approach our personal giving to the Lord. When you give generously like this, this is when God gives generously back to you. First of all, Paul says that your giving should be exactly what you plan to give. He says, just as you purpose in your heart, just as you purpose in your heart to give. What he means by this is that you should be uh, careful and prayerful in considering the amount of money that you're going to give. In other words, the size of your gift should not be a hasty, spur-of-the-moment decision. When you come to church on Sunday, you ought to know before you get here what you're giving. Exactly what you decided in your heart to give. See, before you give any money, you should carefully, prayerfully choose the amount that you believe the Lord wants you to give. And then follow through on that amount that you believe the Lord is telling you in your heart. To give. See, if you don't do this, if you don't have some predetermined amount in your mind to give, then you might find yourself giving more money than you plan to give. Why? Because someone might put pressure on you to give. This happens all the time in Christian circles. Some pastor, some spiritual leader gets up and makes his people feel guilty or obligated or shamed into giving more money than they ever intended to give. Here's the problem. If you give that way by feeling pressured, pressured into giving more than you wanted to give, then you're going to forfeit God's generous blessings. Why? Because as Paul goes on to say in verse 7, you will be giving grudgingly or under compulsion. What does that mean? To give grudgingly literally means to give with grief. To give but be sorrowful. That you gave your money away. 
To give grudgingly is to give your money away, then grieve over its loss because you didn't want to do it. In other words, you give, but you really don't want to. You regret it. In fact, it's a painful thing to do. You wish you could take it back. You're actually sad at the thought of parting with your money. Now, if you give with that kind of reluctance, then God says he's not going to be generous with you, regardless of the amount that you give. You could give millions of dollars, but with that attitude, God's not going to be pleased. Not at all. But in addition to giving grudgingly, Paul also tells us not to give under compulsion. What does that mean? To give under compulsion is to give, but not because you want to give, but because you feel like you have to. There's some external force putting pressure on you, obligating you to give. And this kind of obligation comes in a lot of forms. Giving because if I don't give, what will people think of me? Or giving because my parents are forcing me to give. I've got to empty my piggy bank and I really don't want to. But they tell me I have to. Or I must give in order to gain God's approval. Somehow charitable giving is a way of meriting God's favor. Or others in my church are giving, so I need to give in order to appear spiritual like they are. I mean, that's why the Pharisees gave. All for the appearance of spirituality. But listen, if your offerings come with either the attitude of grudgingly giving it or compulsion then God isn't pleased with it, regardless of how much you give. And he, and he will not be generous with those who give their money this way, either out of resentment or compulsion, because he knows that you really didn't want to give anyway. Giving's a matter of the heart. However, there is a motive that pleases the Lord. There is a motive that not only pleases God, but the motive and the kind of attitude that God is generous with, that we've been talking about. Paul tells us about this person and their proper attitude of giving at the end of verse 7. For God loves a cheerful giver. Certainly God loves all of his children. But Paul states that God has a special love, a special affection in his heart for those who give their money cheerfully. So what does it mean to give cheerfully? Actually, the English word hilarious comes from this. Now, I don't think Paul means that you need to giggle. And laugh when the offering plate goes by you, although you probably will put a smile on the face of an usher if you do that. But it does mean that you don't give with sadness. It's the opposite of giving with sadness or resentment. It means that you delight in being generous with God. You derive pleasure from giving to Him. It brings you joy to put your generous offering money in the collection plate. That's what Paul's talking about. And if you give this way, folks, generously, with an attitude of joy and cheerfulness in your heart, then not only will you give God pleasure because of your obedience to him, but you will experience his gracious generosity as he will give you more so that you can give him more. So what is God's plan for giving? It's really not that complicated. Give an amount in proportion to your income and give generously with a cheerful heart. That's it. As we bring this series about the church to a close, I want you to consider your relationship with Lakeside, or if Lakeside is not your home local church, then your home local church. Do you love the church? Christ does. He died for the church. He loves the church. He sacrificed for the church. He's working to sanctify the church so he can present the church in all of her glory without spot or wrinkle to the Father. If you don't love 
the church, you need to repent. We ought to love everything Christ loves. The church is dear to him, gave his life for the church. Are you vitally connected to your church or are you just a Sunday attendee? Are you a member of the church? Have you made a commitment to the church? Listen, you ought to be vitally connected. You ought to be plugged in somewhere. You ought to be serving. You ought to be active. Sundays ought to be your favorite day of the week. It ought to be the best day for you. Do you appreciate and esteem those who shepherd you or do you take them for granted? I'm not primarily talking about me. I'm talking about the other elders. Do you even know who the other elders are? Have you ever thanked them? Have you appreciated them? Do you pray for them? Do you financially support the church? That's what we've been talking about. Do you do it with giving that is characterized by generosity and delight? Or are you a spiritual hitchhiker? Wanting all the church's benefits without making any financial commitments. If you can answer these questions in an affirmative way, praise the Lord. But if not, then you need to repent. You need to ask the Lord to change you. You need to bring your thinking and action in conformity with what Scripture teaches. Now, perhaps you have no vital relationship with the church because you have no vital relationship with Jesus Christ. Come to faith in Christ, believing that his death on the cross was sufficient in payment for your sin. Enter into a relationship with him through forgiveness of your sins, and you'll love the church. And you'll want to answer affirmatively to all of these questions as you get involved. Love the Lord Jesus, you'll love his church. Let's bow for prayer. Father, thank you for this series we've been able to do, Lord. It's been a healthy reminder of the church. We are so grateful for the church, Lord. May we never take it for granted. We realize that today the church, every local church, has sinners, spots and wrinkles, but you're sanctifying us and you're conforming us to the image of your son. Lord, we say continue to do that here at Lakeside, whatever it takes. Help us as we've been talking about finances, Lord. Help us to give give generously with delight in our hearts. For some who have never given, Lord, I, I pray that you will take your word today and burn it into their hearts that they might be obedient to you. They could trust you that if they give, you'll you'll provide for them. Lord, for those of us who do give but struggle because we live in financially harder times than we've ever had, Help us to be encouraged by these truths, to recognize that you are not sleeping, you never slumber, you will provide. Help us to give, Lord, without having an attitude of uh, holding on to our money, but to delight in giving. And Lord, help us to be generous, uh, not just in the offerings, but when we see others in need. Help us to be generous in life. Help us to be generous people and to fight the urge to be covetous men and women. We pray that you'll take your word from what's been taught this morning and apply it to our lives. May it be a part of our very lives. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. We've looked at so many vital truths in this series on the church that it's almost impossible to try to summarize them. We know that the church is precious to God. He sent his son to die for it. He has equipped the church to help us grow in our faith and to prepare us to meet the challenges and dangers that we will face in the world. We looked at the qualifications that God has ordained for the leaders over the church. We saw that God has a lot to say about their character. They are supposed to be examples of Christ-likeness to the church, oversee the ministry of the church, watch out for the people in the church, and equip the members of the church to serve the Lord. 
They have a great responsibility. They really need our prayer and encouragement. Then we talked about giving. We saw that God doesn't demand a set amount from us, but wants us to be generous. He wants us to give based on grace, not some commandment. We give from a heart of gratitude for everything Jesus has done for us. We've already said this, but this might be a good time to repeat it. You can order this entire series on the church so you can listen to it over and over and also share it with a friend. All of the information you need is on our website, versebyverseradio, all one word, dot O-R-G. Or you can just call us for information, help, or prayer at 727-239-0306. If you appreciate the ministry of Verse by Verse, would you pray about sending a gift to help us keep this ministry going? You can do this online by phone or by regular mail. Our mailing address is Verse by Verse Ministries, P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. That's P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. We can stay on the air because our partners have been so generous and so faithful. Pastor Steve will start a brand new series next time we are together. Be sure and join us. Invite a friend to listen with you. For now, this is Jerry Pruden for the entire Verse by Verse team, thanking you for being a part of our listening family and looking forward to our next time together here on Verse by Verse. Verse by Verse.